0: Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, Inspiring People and Places. We are all about education, innovation, and inspiration at the Inspiring People and Places podcast. And today I think we're going to get bits and pieces of all of that, maybe a little more from one than the other. I'm excited to have Ricky McLean from Woodworks on the show. Ricky, how are you? Hey, BJ, I'm great. Thanks
1: we'll for having be, me today.
0: We'll be completely honest with everybody and say we're, this is take two. So we're, we're navigating some, <laughs> some, some infrastructure issues. Um, but yeah, excited to, excited to dig into this topic. So Ricky, first part of the episode, we always talk about, you know, who you are and what your organization does. I know you're the senior technical director for growth and innovation. Can you talk to us a little bit about who Woodworks is and who Ricky is?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me today, BJ. And great to be with you and your, your audience. So I am a structural engineer. My background, and I'm based here in Vermont. Um, I work for an organization called Woodworks, and we are a team of structural engineers, of architects, of uh, professionals within the construction industry in general. And our role is: at, we are a nonprofit, we are a U.S.-based nonprofit. We work all throughout the U.S. Uh, everyone on our team is remote, and our goal is to be a free resource to the. Building design, construction, and development communities. So, to put some specifics to that, we really focus on two main areas, and they both center around the use of wood in construction, primarily as a structural building material. So, that could be light wood frame construction, you know, two by six walls, high joist trusses, uh, solid stone lumber framing, or heavy or mass timber construction, some larger sections of wood used as structural members, beams, columns, slabs, walls, those types of things. And maybe later we can get into some more of the details there. But essentially what we're doing is we're, we're a free, so no cost to the people that we interact with, service, uh, working with, again, architects, structural engineers, and developers and contractors to help them on specific questions with specific projects. So let's say somebody reaches out to us and they have, a five story uh, apartment building in Dallas that they're working on. And they have some questions about, you know, does the building code allow us to do this particular thing that we're trying to do? What are some of the challenges and hurdles with trying to do this thing? Can you help us design this particular connection detail or find a fire rated floor assembly or a shaft, shaft wall material? Um, Anyways, those types of things. So, we provide those services for free. We have a team of, of folks all throughout the country. So, there's really always somebody within the Woodworks organization who's close by to where the design professional is that we're working with. And then, the second main thing that we do is education. So, we have a lot of resources, free resources on our website, as well as host uh, a monthly, at least one monthly free webinar on some type of technical design topic related to wood in construction. Um, and then we also help uh, host and participate in a number of other industry conferences and educational
0: events. Um, you, you mentioned that's a free resource. Where can people find you? Yeah,
1: best place to find us is just our, our website, which is woodworks.org. And there's a couple kind of key things I'll point out there. Number one is and when you go to that homepage in the upper right-hand corner, there's an orange button that says, I think, project assistance or free project assistance that's the way to find our team essentially so to find the person that's closest to to you or whoever is looking for that and then the second piece is the the technical resources so at the top there there's a there's a tools tab and a learn tab Uh, so those are ways to access
0: those free resources awesome and we'll make sure we put all that in the show notes for our listeners out of curiosity i've i've been in the nonprofit realm mostly on veteran initiatives and nothing is free, right? We have to be doing fundraising in the background. Are you guys anchored or sponsored by by somebody that's that's ensuring your your going concern? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So we do receive funding by a number of sources within the wood industry, uh, within the softwood industry in particular. So over half of our funding comes from uh, the Softwood Lumber Board. And the Softwood Lumber Board is part of a checkoff program. So You've probably heard of, you know, got milk, beef, it's what's for dinner, California avocados, right? Those are called checkoff programs where rather than a single dairy farmer trying to establish their own marketing budget and then market just for their milk. I mean, some still do that, obviously, but milk or dairy farmers as a whole pool together with resources and kind of self-imposed small amounts of tax, if you will. And then that's pooled together. And then the, the dairy industry, the milk industry as a whole is represented and advertised for and things like that. Same thing happens with the softwood industry, softwood lumber industry, where mill owners throughout the country pull together these funds. That goes to the softwood lumber board, and we're one of three programs of the softwood lumber board uh funds. So we receive funds there, we receive some funds from the USDA, the Department of Agriculture, and then also individual, larger individual wood products manufacturers, you know, who are making plywood, OSB, I joists, mass timber pro- products, uh, fasteners, you know. Kind of all of the above that go into some type of a wood construction project.
0: Gotcha. Uh, it, it's. I mean that that part of the the economy is is interesting to me, but I love that it's an educational resource for professionals in the industry. Who is the typical? And, and maybe there's not one, but who is the the typical? Um, recipient of your services or of your consulting? And, and what is their typical problem set um, that they're dealing with?
1: Sure. I would say that it primarily is a, a, an architect or a, a structural engineer. And a lot of times those questions center around, um, well, I'll give you one example. I got a call yesterday afternoon from an architect who's working on, I believe it was a three story uh, senior housing facility. And they, the rest of the project was going to be framed with wood, but here in the Northeast where I am, and I think this is true elsewhere too, a lot of times those types of projects, um, the shaft enclosures, the stair shafts, the elevator shafts, are built with something other than wood, even if the rest of the project is wood. And yep. there's certain reasons for that. Um, but they were this particular project was looking to use wood also in those shaft enclosure assemblies. But their building official was kind of pushing back, saying, No, the code doesn't allow you to do that. So she reached out, said, Hey, can you help me? First of all, is this right or not? And can you help me find a code path that might allow us to do this? So, you know, we we had a conversation, sent her some follow-up information, kind of pointed out the breadcrumbs in the building code that do allow that would allow them to use wood in construction. So a lot of it is things like that where you know they were already planning to use some type of a wood product or project. And we're just helping kind of ease the the barriers or the hurdles, if you will. Occasionally, it'll be like a very early stage project where a developer will reach out and, you know, kind of want to better understand what would be the financial impacts of using wood or mass timber on this project. So that's more of a higher level discussion, but helping them, you know, understand some of the pros and cons. What have previous projects realized through the use of wood?
0: That So the two things that come out to me, you know, obviously not being in it is the financial impact. So as as wood becomes cheaper and more expensive versus steel, you know, that's certainly going to weigh my decision. But then the architectural side or the the aesthetics of what that could look like is the other. On the flip side of that, the the number one thing that comes to me, because you always hear it is as soon as you go over a certain, you know, the number of stories you've got to move away from wood because of fire code or, or life safety i imagine those are things you're you're well versed in what is talk to us about both sides of that argument i mean I, I want you to be able to to pitch why why wood is uh a reasonable substitute and and then i want to get into the the structural capacity of uh, mass timber
1: Sure, no, absolutely, and you know I'm certainly not one, and our team isn't one to suggest the use or promote the use of of wood or mass timber and applications that just simply don't make sense, right? Uh, you know, so we we try to be realistic with people too about there are certain projects that certain projects that an owner or developer is is just bent on making mass timber work for ex- an example, you know, even if it costs more, and in in some cases, many cases, it does, mm-hmm. um, but there could there can be some other benefits, you know, tied to uh, maybe that developer is looking to exit the project five years down the line and the value is higher. The residual value of the building is higher because of the fact that it has the enhanced aesthetics, like you mentioned, of using mass timber. But, you know, a lot of the initial upfront cost considerations with with all focus on mass timber in particular center around the fact that it's relatively new. It's relatively new building material here in the U.S. We really just, well, we we saw the first commercial use of mass timber in the U.S. in 2011, I believe it was. That was just a small two-story building in Montana. And since then, it's accelerated fairly rapidly. We're almost 2,000 mass timber projects in the U.S. We currently have the world's tallest mass timber building right here in the U.S. Um, it's a 25-story project in Milwaukee. So it's, it's grown quickly. The, the costs have you know, certainly changed over time. Um, I would say in most cases, if you're comparing the cost of these structural materials, so beams, columns, slabs, wall panels to other building materials, it's a mass timber is almost always, always going to be more expensive. But it does result in some benefits that potentially, not always for sure, but potentially can either account for some or potentially all of those cost uh, material costs. So you know you're looking at things like speed of construction. mass timber is generally speaking, creates about a 25%, 30% schedule reduction in terms of the actual processes of installing the materials. Um, in, in high-rise projects, for example, it's fairly common for mass timber to go up at a rate of about one story every three to five days or so. Um, and it's you're not waiting for anything to cure. You know, You're just erecting the materials, and then you're working on that platform to erect the story above. So that's a potential benefit. I talked a little bit about the the differences in terms of the kind of market differentiation if you will. So because of the fact that mass timber is still relatively new, there aren't many projects. So let's say you're building a multifamily project in downtown Denver. And there's a, you know, thousands of multifamily units under construction in downtown Denver right now, but 99% of those are just kind of traditional materials. They're not mass timber. So by doing yours as mass Denver, you're creating market distinction and differential differential. that's going to potentially allow you to charge higher um, lease rates or if you're going to sell, sell these condos it's going to allow you to potentially you know have lower tenant turnover, attract uh, tenants faster. you know so there's some potential financial benefits there. mass is a fairly lightweight building material. so in some projects you know it's it's been able to solve some challenges with like poor soil conditions or you know, the need for lesser foundations. Um, smaller crew size on site is fairly common with mass timber. Usually you're looking at a, a crew size in the range of seven to 10 uh, workers on the jobs on an active mass timber job site. So those are some of the potential benefits that again, certainly not always, but sometimes can help account for the material premiums that come with, with the material itself. And then to your point about the, like the, the height limits so the, the, you know, how tall can you build it up until the, well, up until about 2020, the, you're absolutely right. The building code really didn't recognize any difference between mass timber construction and light wood frame construction in terms of how they perform fire safety, structural performance. So due to that, you could, you could build a five or six story light wood frame building. You could build a five or six story mass timber building. But the 2021 version of the code, so the U.S. is on the International Building Code, which is updated every three years. The 2021 version was the first version to kind of recognize those differences in mass timber. Um, A lot of that was in response to specific full-scale two-story fire testing that was done on a mass timber structure um, just outside of Washington, D.C. And so the 2021 code allowed three new construction types that allow you to go up to 9, 12, or 18 stories with mass timber. And then the 24 version of the code, which is the most recent current version, um, it didn't change the height limits, the story limits. Those are still the same. But what it did change is how much of the timber can you expose to the interior of the building? Because with those, the 21 code changes as you went taller, you could still build it out of mass timber but you had to cover a lot of that timber up with like gypsum wallboard or some type of a non-combustible material. So, due to some, another round of full-scale fire tests, the the
0: exposure limits for the timber were, were increased up to a 12-story limit. Talk to us like what is the difference between mass timber and light wood? Sure.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting is that in a lot of cases mass timber elements like the individual pieces of a mass timber building Mm -hmm. are just compilations of a bunch of light wood gotcha uh, pieces but essentially light wood the way that that i think about light wood frame construction is is again it's you know it's it's components that make up an assembly but they're usually covered with something else so a a stud wall that's framed with two by fours or two by sixes but it's covered on both sides with gypsum wallboard Parallel core floor trusses, or I joists for a roof or for a floor that are covered, you know, with gypsum wallboard on the ceiling side, floor sheeting on the top side. Whereas mass timber construction is large cross sections of wood. So think of, and maybe like a slight distinction that I would make is even between heavy timber construction and mass timber construction, where heavy timber construction is, you know, you've seen like the old mill buildings, or it's even common nowadays in you know, like some commercial winery projects or or churches or schools or custom single family homes where you have the large exposed timbers. But in most cases, those are each each like column or beam is is from one log or one tree. Right. Right. The old adage was large column, large tree. You had to that's why a lot of old growth lumber used to be used a lot in construction. Thankfully, we're not doing that now with mass timber because you're creating similar size large sections of wood. But you're laminating together a number of smaller pieces, again, often commodity two by products, to form those large sections of mass timber. So where a lightwood frame building might be a lot of small repetitive framing members, a mass timber building might be, you know, large columns, but spaced every 20 feet or 25 feet apart, and then large glue land beams, for example, timber beams supporting a solid seven-inch thick timber slab if you will. So it's in terms of like, what is it more similar to structurally? It's much more mass timber is much more similar to a structural steel building or a concrete building where you're creating, you know, one way or two way spanning beams and slabs, um, as opposed to like a light frame bearing wall system, which you'd use in a light wood frame building or like a steel stud building.
0: Cool. Any specific project that that was like a, a real good case study in either a cool use of timber framing or, or or mass timber, or was really complicated to navigate, but but you got it through.
1: Yeah, I'll give you two. The first one was the first all was the first one I'll mention was also the first mass timber project that I had the opportunity to visit in person, okay. and it was a it was a definite kind of eye opener for me. If any of your audience has. Has not actually visited a master building but have any inkling of interest I would highly suggest visiting you know an active job site if that's an option or a completed building um, so the building I'm talking about is at the it's on the campus of UMass Amherst in okay. Western Massachusetts it's called the John Oliver design building and the reason I mentioned that particular project is they there was a lot of innovative uses of mass timber it wasn't just i mean not that you know just mass timber is kind of cool in and of itself but they did a lot of unique things with it things like timber brace frames so if you see a lot of times in a um, structural steel building where chevron braces you'll have tube, tube steel shapes or wide plan shapes as the braces the lateral bracing of the building uh, but they used timber for those which is still to this day very uncommon to do that um, they used what's called a timber concrete composite floor slab so clt clt is cross laminated timber and that's one of the options for a mass timber slab that spans from beam to beam but most projects just use that as the slab what they did was they took that slab they had knife cuts into the top of it at periodic locations they took epoxy into those knife cuts and set a a kind of a perforated steel plate that was kind of half embedded into the timber and then half Mm. stuck above the timber poured a concrete topping over that entire surface. So those steel mesh plates tied the timber and the concrete together compositely, and that stiffens the timber quite a bit. So like where that timber slab normally could have spanned about 15 or 16 feet in this particular project expands, I believe about 25 or 26 feet clear span, you know, without structure below it. So that was a very unique project um, and a really innovative project for some of those timber uses and then the second project I would mention is I alluded to it earlier, the twenty five story project in Milwaukee called right. ascent. it's It's uh the lower six stories are concrete, and then the upper nineteen stories are mass timber. And I had the opportunity to visit that one about a year ago. and again, we we worked with the architect and the design team quite a bit during design, but but just kind of seeing that in person and experiencing it, um, we were able to kind of walk through some of the individual units that they had release, um, as well as the amenity space. Um, it does, I don't know, I think it really does make a huge difference. Just, I'm a proponent for getting, especially like young engineers and architects out to active job sites as much as possible. And kind of seeing when you're sitting in your office, designing buildings, you need to make that connection to what it actually translates to in the field. Right. So having the opportunity to do that on both of those projects
0: was, was really key. That's great. Um, Quick question on your background: How long have you been at Woodworks, and and what did you do prior to this?
1: Sure, yeah, I've been with Woodworks for uh, over nine years, going on nine and a half years. Prior to that, I worked for a structural engineering consulting firm here in Vermont. So uh, it was relatively small firm, but you know we were we were doing structural design of everything from custom single family homes. You know, we talked earlier about Stowe, Stowe, Vermont, a lot of your yeah. ski areas. And then, you know, a lot of higher education buildings, you know, fire stations, dormitory projects, those types of things. Cool.
0: Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Switching gears a little bit, some rapid fire questions. Any favorite books?
1: Oh, man, I've been I've been uh, devouring books lately. I just finished a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. It has nothing to do with design or construction, but I think it's a very, very helpful book in understanding how to really how to kind of gain skills as an individual and build on those skills. He talks in the book about this thing he calls Big Mo. Which is momentum, you know, kind of talking about the importance of of you know starting small, but but being very consistent and methodical. Um, I'm at a point in my life right now where we moved recently, had a child recently, and I normally like to run a lot. And because of some of these life events, I haven't been able to do it as much as I'd like to. Um, so for a while there I was kind of like, you know, run one day, then skip three days. And because I was like aiming for these distance goals. And so right. I decided, I was like, well, let's kind of just back up and say, you know, just do it, do it short, but do it every day, you know? So that kind of, and it's been helping a lot. So that kind of consistency and building that author, Darren Hardy, also has a, a really great workbook that I'm uh, working on right now. It's called Living Your Best Year Ever, which kind of really helps with like goal setting and really making sure you sit down and write down goals. Who's the person that you need to become to obtain those goals? And then what are the steps that you're going to take to get there?
0: I love that. Because because the new year's here, I'm kind of curious what what might be on your goal sheet.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, some of them are are personal things. Some of them are professional things. But, you know, a lot of things tied to, you know, for example, through work, like helping becoming better in terms of like collaboration with teammates, delegation, you know, some goals around certain financial um, targets that I'd like to hit, you know, just personally throughout the next year. Certainly spending more time with family and drawing better lines around that is working from home. I know a lot of people struggle with this, It's kind of creating those boundaries to be able to yeah. spend more time, especially, you know, with, with young kids that we have. So uh, those are a couple of things that come to
0: mind. Awesome. Any favorite quotes?
1: Let me think. There's there's a number of them. You know, one one that certainly comes to mind is cost is what you pay, value is what you get. And I think about that a lot in terms of in the construction industry. There's seems like there's a a lot of focus on you know low bidder. Who's the low bidder? Uh, My stepdad is a chief estimator at a large general contractor, and he's always telling me these stories about you know we lost out on the project because we were five thousand dollars more or ten thousand dollars more, you know, on a multi million dollar project. Yeah. And you know, but I don't know if the client understands, you know. Maybe the relative difference in value that they would have gotten one versus the other. So, you know, understanding that to me, because I think that that's really the way that people differentiate themselves is by creating value, not by creating low costs. Um, I heard something recently where somebody was saying, "What, what is it that people buy?" Like, as a business owner, I don't care what you sell or what service you provide. What is it that people buy? People buy improvement. That's really what they're looking for is a better way to do or have or whatever compared to where they are now. So maybe the low cost gets that initial sale, but it's usually not going to be the repeat sale. It's creating value. Maybe it costs more, but a lot of times it should.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's why I'm excited about your education platform because whether it's, whether it's cost or value or aesthetics, um, just having the opportunity to understand those part or those variables in the equation of decision making makes you a better buyer or makes you a better uh, seller or consumer of whatever you're buying so as architects and engineers are listening to this I'm excited that you have resources for them to understand you know maybe they've never even considered mass timber because they're not aware of it they don't realize the 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 code update or or why they might consider it as a right. differentiator. So I'm excited about that. And I completely agree. Uh, I love that quote. I don't think I've ever heard of it before. Cost is what you pay, value is what you get. And sometimes we're competing against the customer not doing anything different, right? They're Not changing. Uh, and, and maybe that's the case with mass timber. I know you're not, you're not selling it, but you're, 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 representing education around it and, and advocating for, Hey, this is a, an option. Uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, last question. Uh, if you could have a dinner party with three guests that are alive, who would they be?
1: All right. Well, I, I just did a, a deep dive into somebody who I looked up to a lot in the financial world, but just passed away, which was, um, uh, Charlie, Charlie, Munger. Charlie hunger. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of just did a deep dive, like I said, into into his world. And I, I had obviously read a lot and knew about him previous, but just an incredibly fascinating individual. So I would have to say, Charlie is right up there. Uh, a business mentor that I mean, I personally know him, but I've learned a lot from him through books and audiobooks and, and online platforms and things like that is Brian Tracy. If anybody's familiar with him, if not, I highly recommend
0: Eat that frog.
1: Him. <laughs> yeah, eat that frog. Um, he's got a great, I'm I'm working on, um, a book right now by him. I think it's called a uh, uh, million dollar habits or habits and millionaires or something like that, but he's got a really good, it was like a one hour and 15 minute, you know, very digestible. It was on, on like audio form, but basically it was like 21 steps or 21 habits of self made millionaires or something like that. And just like super short, but very tangible, practical things people can apply in their lives. Um, so, I guess I would have to say Brian Tracy would be number two. And the third one I'll give you is actually inspired by a post I did on LinkedIn this morning, a gentleman by the name of, he's a U.S. Navy Admiral, mm-hmm. um, William McRaven. He he was the admiral in charge of the attacks on uh, Osama bin Laden, and he worked closely with President Obama. I had the opportunity to meet him last year, very briefly, just share a few words. Just an incredibly inspiring man and really does a, an inspiring job of taking the particular things that he went through and applying them broadly so that other people can take those lessons learned and improve from that and be better humans and better individuals
0: i think it was his university of texas uh commencement speech exactly. that uh, make 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 your bed that's right it's a good one and i i feel yeah. like he's in academia is he still he was was it at university of texas or i feel like he was a president or a yeah he could be. Or something um We'll put all of that in the show notes. Any habits from Brian Tracy's book that you know he said they're pretty actionable? Any any one that stands out? Yeah, that's memorable. There's a couple. I mean,
1: one of them that that he says is you know, like treat yourself or think of yourself as a business of one, meaning you know you could be pushing shopping carts at Walmart, you could be you know working in a very high profile position, or you could be an entrepreneur, but In any of those cases, think of yourself as the owner of the business and an owner of you, you know, because ultimately you are responsible for your own actions and tasks and those types of things. So when you get that phone call and you want to push it off to another colleague, you know, think about that for a minute and be like, if I was the owner of this company, would I do that same thing? Um, That to me has been very impactful over the past year. He has a lot of good, just sound financial advice in terms of, you know, things like, I think he calls it the wedge effect. Every time you get a raise, um, save 50% of it, you know, simple things like he talks about, you know, when he was holding a conference and basically said like, "Who here thinks that you could solve all your financial problems if you if you could double or triple your salary?" You know, everybody raises their hands. And then he said, "Think back, was there a time when you were earning half or a third as you are now?" <laughs> of course, everybody raises their hand. And so what's happened is their salaries have changed, but their problems have followed them because they haven't changed their habits. So there's a lot of good practical financial advice there too.
0: Those are great habits, especially as we're going into the new year. There's a Stephen Covey quote. Let me see if I can grab it really quick. It's essentially the spirit of it is your systems are designed to give you the result that you're getting right now. So mm-hmm. habits habits are our systems and yeah, whatever our personal calendar system, whatever our personal our daily routines and weekly routines and weekly battle rhythms, as we call it, like they are designed to give us the results we're getting. So start analyzing those habits and those systems if you want to get different results. So not a big New Year's resolution, but I am a big habit changer guy. So love all those. Close us out. Floor is yours. Anything you want to say to young people coming into the industry, professionals that are in the industry, considering you know whether it's kind of motivational, inspirational, or educational, the, the floor is yours. Close us out.
1: Yeah, no, thank you very much. I mean, one thing I would say to, to young professionals is one thing that I had wished I learned a lot more of in college, um, but but I've had to learn on the job is communication skills. So practice those, you know, gain communication skills, written, oral, you know, presentation, and all of the above. Um, and there's also something else that I would suggest, which comes from another book I read recently called Show Your Work. And it's kind of this idea of don't be afraid to Show everybody what you're working on. And that could be, you know, simple things like posting online, you know, hey, this is this really cool project I'm working on stop by for a structural site visit today. It could be, you know, if you're still in studying, it could be some paper that you're working on or whatever, but there's a really great long quote, I won't read all of it, but basically it talks about how you build your network and you build potential future opportunities by simply showing your work. So I would definitely advocate for that that as well. And then, of course, anybody who's interested in using um, mass timber or or light wood frame construction, just recommend that you reach out. Woodworks.org is the best place to find any and and all of our team. We have a great team that that we work with um, folks across the country. So we just suggest that you reach out. And again, we're a free resource, so don't be shy to ask questions.
0: Awesome. And we will be sure to put your LinkedIn, uh, your personal LinkedIn uh, profile on the show notes. Ricky. Appreciate you taking the time to be with us, wishing you and the Woodworks team and your family a healthy, prosperous 2024.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Same to you, BJ.
0: Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.